Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are discussing chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41 of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. In these chapters, Kaladin spends a chapter dealing with the the, the, the horrible, horrible injuries he suffered. Just one chapter, though. Uh, Shalon spends a chapter dealing with the horrible, horrible injuries that she's done to her conscience. And then uh, we get some Kaladin bridge man and some Kaladin young man. Both of them get a little uh, a little bloody. I don't know. So uh, I'm Data, and with me today is... Zach. Joe. And Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, four more chapters. Although I, in a weird way, I feel like the most eventful one may have been the flashback. I don't. Know. What did you guys think of these four chapters? Yeah, the flashback one I think was where the most happened. That was quite brutal. Seeing what happened to, I mean, we didn't. We saw that. We saw that boy exactly once, and we didn't really like him. Yeah. So can't say I really. <laughs> Like was was sorry to see him go, but I'm just like, oh, this is just gonna make the situation with Rashon even worse. Uh yeah. It was it was it was just a whole thing. It was a bit draining to read it. It's like, oh god. But the rest of it I'm just like, oh, I don't know how how Kaladin's going. It's like he's done this ordeal which is like elevated into legendary status among the rest of the bridge crew, but he's feeling and it's like I you know, I can't do any better. I'm like, shit, okay. How are we gonna get out of this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just, you know, just a bit of a depressing set of chapters this time around, really. Just Things can't go well for Kaladin regardless of uh, what time in his life it is. Yeah, every time we think, all right, now we're going to come good a bit. And uh, no, no, we don't. Yeah, even, I mean, like you said, you'd think that, like, I've just recovered from these horrible injuries and survived a thing I wasn't supposed to survive. This would be a good thing. But he's he's like, oh, man, there's, there's nothing we can do to, to live through this. This is horrible. Yeah. Although we did get a little a little hint. Teft, as we saw before, Teft seems to know something about something. Yeah, I don't know what to think about that yet. Mm. Not enough information. Check back later. <laughs> Try again later. Yeah, I, I actually liked these chapters, except for the last one. I thought I, I hated the last chapter. Again, mm-hmm. the flashbacks, I don't know what it is about this book. I, every time there's a flashback, even if important things are happening, I'm like, I, I, I cannot find it within me to care about it. So the first one, you know, is first chapter is interesting because we've got we've got this kind of mysterious stuff going on with um, with Teft. He knows something. Right. And he uses a word I don't think that we've heard before to describe a group of people. So Tef's background is definitely more complex than we've previously, I think, thought. Uh, And so it's a big 
to there's something there's something I feel like there's something big on the horizon for Kaladin, even if he's I, I, even if he's down right now, based on the the third chapter that we read, I think because of what's going on with in, with Teft and what's possibly going to come to light about Kaladin and his abilities that maybe we're on on track to a brighter future, even if it looks grim right now. And then the Shalan thing, I I enjoyed it, but I almost felt like this chapter spinning its wheels a little bit because, Mm. you know, she stole she stole the the Fabriel. And now it's like Sinesh is just literally waiting around, which is fine. I understand how it makes sense for her plan, but I feel like we didn't I don't know that we necessarily needed this chapter. Right. Like it could have we could have just skipped ahead to to something happening because i really other than her talking to her brother and her internal dialogue or monologue it's like there's not a whole lot going on except that she's in turmoil which we already like mentally emotionally like which we already knew so well i did like the chapter i feel like it, it wasn't super necessary and then yeah the flashback like okay cool things are gonna get potentially worse for them because what's his face kids kids dot kid died and the doctor, you know, couldn't save him. He's going to be mad about that. Like, I, I get it. But, yeah, it's just like it just takes me – these flashbacks just take me completely out of it. I just could not I, – I was a little disappointed that that was the last thing we read this week. So it's like, ugh. But, yeah, I mean, good good stuff. I'm excited. We're, you know, a little over halfway through the book at this point. So I, I think things are finally starting to, like, kind of happen, hopefully. So we're we're, I think, on the cusp of like some momentum in the story. So I'm excited for that to get going. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I remember correctly, and uh, I don't know if you'll find it encouraging or not, but I don't think there are any dedicated flashback chapters in parts four or five of this book. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe by that point we've told all there is to tell about Kaladin's past that we need to know what the, in this moment. So that would make sense maybe, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know what it is about these flashbacks. So it's just like, I have a really hard time like caring about this past stuff in this very moment. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe, and maybe this is just my preference, you know, maybe people love it when it's, when it's uh, kind of spaced in to the, uh, to the book, the way it is so that you get this, you get this kind of background on Kaladin as we go. Like maybe people really enjoy that style. For me, I would rather have like a separate book and fl- or a separate, like, little short story thing where you read Kaladin's backstory. Like I would rather that than it interspersed into this, into what we're trying to like, into the story we're trying to read. So, mm-hmm. but that's just my, yeah. just my preference. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, I like these chapters and I, I did enjoy the flashback. I do like, even knowing now that, you know, part four and five is possibly no, Flashback tells me we're getting pretty close to finding out whatever we need to find out there. And it feels like we're getting closer to that. So I am looking forward to that part of the story and figuring out why or how Kaladin got where he got, considering that in the last flashback, he just decided he was going to go to cover up and become a surgeon. So, and, and he never says that he became a surgeon, he apprenticed as a surgeon. So I think we're getting close to that, which was good. I, in, in Shalan's chapter, I'm really interested with the, what she draws when she's not paying attention to what she's drawing mm-hmm. because she's coming up with things that she didn't see or doesn't remember seeing. She's got the photographic memory and 
you know, now she just she just draws things and it's weird. I was half expecting that because she said she hadn't heard from Nan Balat that that was like his death that she was drawing. And I, I don't know whether she's drawing things that have happened or is drawing things that are to come or I don't know, but I'm really interested in, in figuring more about that. I think she's sort of going down the path I was expecting that she's got to wait it out a little bit. To, you can't just disappear, but it's interesting that she's been there three days. Like the the tension must just be like insane. <laughs> you have to feel like any moment you might be discovered. That's that's terrifying. But I'm keen to know where her story is going to go. I am extremely curious about Tech's background. That's I I really want to know. I I can't wait till we get to the point where he and Kaladin actually get to sit down and talk about it because I feel like Kaladin is owed a bit of an explanation. I want to know what the hell's up with Syl. <laughs> what yeah. does Rock that ties in? And what does Tef know? And also, how is he going to go and recharge all these spheres? Because he's got all these dumb spheres now that he needs to go and then recharge and just give. I mean, it's clever. Don't just heal him in one go. But Kaladin's got no clue what's going on, which also must be pretty rare because you'd think in his medical background he would know what was going on if he knew about it. So, right. yeah, I like them. I think there's a lot of little little nuggets and, you know, we, we must be getting to the part of the story where things are starting to move. And, and all of our characters are kind of at this, okay, what's next sort of phase. So it's good. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you about Teft. It's like, Teft, you, you, you know something. Tell us. What, what, what you, <laughs> it's already. Yeah. <sighs> And yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you got to find some way to recharge your spheres unless he's just going and trading them with people for charged up ones. I don't know. Mm. But uh, I'm glad somebody's enjoying the flashbacks. I like the flashbacks personally as a as a story technique here and the way that they they build on each other towards what we assume is going to be, you know, something important here. And I don't want I don't want to give a misunderstanding. I, I I didn't say there are no flashbacks after part three. There's no, I don't think there's any more dedicated flashback chapters. Like I think chapters. that, okay. yeah, I think, I think that there are more flashbacks, but they will be like a piece of a bigger chapter. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. It's been a while. Yeah, we'll see when we get there. That's okay though. If there's not a huge amount of story to tell in that chap in that flashback, I, we've got to be getting close, right? <laughs> you would and hope. Now, yeah. Extra special. Like Liren is extra special, pissed off the guy who doesn't want him around. So yeah, I mean, I would almost, I would, I would prefer it if it was just like bits of a chapter as opposed to whole chapters that are just dedicated to a flashback. I feel like that's what's taking me out of it, right? It's like if it's a flashback and then you go back to the current action, like I feel like that to me, I enjoy more than like a fully Mm -hmm. devoted flashback chapter that's just like, okay, here's a flashback, like relevant to the moment rather than here's a bit of the backstory. Yeah, like, you know, if if something in the current events sparks a, a memory or a thought, and then we yeah. go to that in that moment, to me, that is a more seamless way of doing flashbacks when storytelling. Whereas, like, this is like, hey, remember how you're reading about what was currently going on? Here, with no preamble from the actual characters in the story, is flashback. Like, that's that to me is weird, but mm. it's just my personal preference. I, I do like the way Jamie phrased it. He's now extra special pissed off. The guy that doesn't like <laughs> it's so true. Like not only yeah. Yeah, his, his son is dead, but uh, I, I believe it says in here that like he is going to lose his leg also, which he's probably not going to be happy about. I suppose chasing him will be harder. 
So, yeah. Okay. No, that's, uh, sorry. I was just, uh, I was going back and reading that section to see, am I crazy? Did it say that? I think it did. Someone was going to lose a leg. I just can't remember which one of them it was. We'll go back and amputate that later. Well, yeah. like if the bo- if the boy's already dead, they're probably gonna, not going to take the leg off him posthumously. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you gotta you can't leave that on. I think uh, <laughs> I do think it was I did, I do think it was actually the son. It was before they had decided he was beyond saving that they was were it? like yeah that they had already tied a tourniquet and that they were working on him. And then when he got into the chest, he realized no, or the abdomen, he realized like okay, it's not gonna it's not gonna uh, work okay. out. Yeah, you may be right because yeah, it said that they would amputate the leg later. But I think that is talking about uh, the kid. Okay, so maybe not. So it's all good. Let's let's get into these chapters. Let's do the thing. To the thing. We start with chapter thirty-eight in Visager, which is that uh, that word that someone mentioned that Teft uses to describe a group that we have not heard of up to this point, as far as we know. It's a interesting word, Invisager. What is? Oh, apparently it's a French word that means to consider. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information. Yeah, no, it's not not particularly helpful. And uh, uh, yeah, maybe it'll all make sense later. The the epigraph here is born from darkness. They bear its taint still marked upon their bodies, much as the fire marks their souls. And the note is uh, it's from this is a trustworthy source, but I'm not certain about this translation. Find the original quote in the 14th book of Seld and retranslate it myself, perhaps? All right. You you go, whoever you are. You translate. I'm still fairly certain this is Yasna's notes. It it kind of feels Yasna-ish to me. It, it, it feels scholarly, at the very least, which is, she's, I think, oh, the main scholarly character that we know. Yeah. And this is kind of a, a weird chapter, because it, it's mostly from Kaladin's point of view as he's going through... He's like drifting in and out of consciousness and potentially seeing things that are not there uh, because of his horrible injuries. Near death experience. Yeah. And he just keeps like the 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 lessons that his father drilled into him when he was young. And Jamie mentioned he says in a later chapter that he apprenticed as a surgeon, not that he completed it, which I guess confirms for us that he never like finished his uh, whatever he was doing with his dad. Probably never went off to school unless he quit partway through school, I guess. And so he just is he's elucidating the symptoms that he's experiencing as he like drifts in and out and remembering the correct treatments, although he can't tell anyone the correct treatments, such as keep subject hydrated, wrap chest to prevent subject from taking part in strenuous activity. I don't think he's going to be doing any strenuous activity. Let's be fair. At one point, he's he, he opens his eyes and sees all the people laying down covered in blankets, and he thinks that the corpses. This is a warehouse where the corpses are lined up for sale. But who bought corpses? High Prince Sadius, he bought corpses. They still walked after he bought them, but they were corpses. Which, that's that's a way to look at it. Yeah, okay. Bleak. Very, very bleak. He'd failed Tien, he'd failed Goshel, his parents, he'd failed Dalit. Hey, we, were, we met Dalit in the first chapter. It took me a minute, I'm just like, who the hell is Dalit? <laughs> and then I had to skip back. <laughs> Man, that was a long time ago. It has yeah. been a good long while, yeah. And also, like, I, I thought, oh, is Goshel also in that? Nah, nah, no, 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 Goshel before. No, we don't know Goshel. And so, as he's like, uh, as he's going through all the stuff in his head, he's con- also contemplating what Lamrel said at the end. Like, Bridgman aren't supposed to survive, but why? What? Why would that be? 
Uh, let's see. He's got some strained tendons, ripped muscles, cracked bones, maybe internal hemorrhaging, all the good stuff. And he sees the death spren, fist-sized and black with many legs and deep red eyes that glowed. So this could be me reaching, but this description really made me think of what Kelsey saw when he looked at Ruin in the well. Oh, yeah. The creepy spider with the, the glowy red eye. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, so like, I don't know if there's a connection there. It could be a quinky dink, but that's where my mind went. I can see that. So only the dying. So that moment can that you mentioned spread. it, I'd completely forgotten about that. I I did not remember that that was a thing. Well, I mean, speaking of things that were a long time ago, right? Yeah, seriously, we've been come a long way since secret history. But to be honest, I still don't quite remember that. I'm gonna have to go and figure that out. <laughs> of course, when he saw it, like it was like a giant, like bigger than he could even imagine, sort of creature, like a like a Cthulhu giant black spider monster, but. Yeah, but I mean, you know, this could be like all the shard powers came from the same place. If we assume the mm-hmm. Spren are an offshoot of like a shard's power, then it could be like, oh, someone's just got a little bit of ruin left in them, and that's what this is. Because I mean, mm-hmm. ruin and death—that'd be they—they they go hand in hand. That makes sense to me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a tiny figure made of pure white light standing between him and the Death Spren. Not childlike at all. She stood guard on his chest, holding a sword made of light. And it kept them at bay, but there were a lot of death spread, more and more each time he was lucid enough to look. I like that uh, his last little thing is is severe delusions caused by trauma to the head. Do not allow alcohol intake. Administer fathom bark to reduce cranial swelling. Fire moss can be used in extreme cases, but beware letting subject form an addiction. If medication fails, trepanning the skull may be needed to relieve pressure, usually fatal. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, no one wants trepanning the skull. Let's let's be clear on this. Uh, in in case anyone's not familiar with this term, that involves drilling holes in your head. It's not fun. Yeah, and obviously uh, they don't know how to do it safely if they're like usually fatal. It's like, how far do I drill? I don't know. Keep going till you hit something squishy. All right. <laughs> if you hit something squishy, you should have stopped already. Yeah, but then we cut to Teft, who is uh, he he's slipping in. To see Kaladin, who they're keeping back in the back of the barracks, all uh, bundled up and making sure that he's never alone because uh, they're worried about what might happen. Gaz came to see him, but Gaz just figures that he's going to die. Like Men didn't live long with wounds like those. But people people are talking about this, just like you guys assumed that they would be. They're like, you're like, you know, somebody survives the thing that everyone knows they weren't supposed to survive. It's going to cause some chatter. And. Teft is like, man, Sadius is not going to like that uh, he lived. So maybe one of the other Light Eyes uh, might decide to relieve their Bright Lord of the problem by quietly taking Kaladin out. So they have to make sure that he's never alone. And Scar is watching over him right now and says that Kaladin is seeing something that he can't see. And so everyone knows that death spread you can only see them when you're dying. And they're like, oh, this is bad. And so... When he's alone with Kaladin, he's Teft's like, why now? Why here? After so many have watched and waited, you come here? But he thinks, oh, I, I don't really know that this is... Uh... Also, a, a really good line that I like. You took a bunch of hanged men and lifted them up just enough to breathe. Now you're going to leave them? I won't have it, you hear? That was that a good is, line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very poignant metaphor, I feel like. And so he puts these spheres in Kaladin's hand, and he watches. All... 
All the envisagers had were stories and legends. Fool's tales, Teft had called them, idle dreams. And so he just watches, and he's like, of course nothing's going to happen. You, you, what are you, an idiot, Teft? Those spheres would buy a few drinks. Take those back. And then suddenly Kaladin draws in a breath, and the light from the spheres fades away, and his eyes snap open, and some of the cuts actually like heal themselves in front of Teft. So this is a, a pretty clear indication that uh, what you guys have theorized this uh, for a lot of this time, that Kaladin is somehow like feeding off the stormlight in these spheres. This seems to confirm that. And the light seems to get used up. Kaladin goes back to like uh, unconsciousness, and he's still not doing well, but he's doing a little better. And Teft says, Almighty, cast from heaven to dwell in our hearts. It is true. Why now? Why here? And why me? So he's going to go trade these spheres for spheres with some light in them and let Kaladin drain those too, but not too fast. Can't have him heal too quickly or that'll draw too much attention. And I need to tell the Envisagers, except the Envisagers were gone, dead because of what he had done. And if there were others, he had no idea how to locate them. So he's not going to say anything until he can figure something out. And that's the end of that chapter. I did not expect Tef to become as important as he apparently is going to be. Right? Yeah, he's uh, he's got some information at the very least, that he's going to need to impart to us. Yeah, with a name like Teft, I guess, you, you never know what you're going to get. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the, the, the thought I had going through this when I read this bit is like, man, we never expected, like, this is like expecting Teft to to be so tied into the mysteries on this planet. It's like, that's like expecting Ron to all of a sudden have like, I know Voldemort. I, I know his life story. I'm his brother. What? <laughs> yeah. Ron turns to Harry and be like, hey, you know, you know who is like trying to kill you? Well, um, I've got to tell you, I know all about him. He's like, what? <laughs> We've been friends for like six years. Why haven't you told me before this? Well, uh, it didn't make sense for plot reasons. So um, <laughs> I just kind of left you hanging, mate. You never asked. But, but Ron, you're 17. Voldemort's like 70. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know. It's just that my mom taught me. Mom told me, so I figured <laughs> might be important. Ron got held back a lot, and we just didn't. Know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm so tall, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so <laughs> after after that uh, Harry Potter moment, uh, Joe is available for parties to play Ron, obviously. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I, well, I don't I'm know what kind of party or, that. Would I'm not redheaded. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not redheaded or tall, so those are issues. But other than that, I'm ready. <laughs> They'll throw on a wig. It's fine. Some stilts. Yeah. Put put on some lifts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> Man. The second chapter is called Burned Into Her, which that's fun. And the epigraph says, within a heartbeat, Alezarv was there, crossing a distance that would have taken more than four months to travel by foot. And the note says that these old stories are and folktales are full of instantaneous travel and the oath gates pervade them. So there's something and now for something completely different. And we are with Shalon, who is uh, she's having some problems with uh, the stuff that has happened recently. <laughs> she's sitting not in a closet, in her closet like chamber and just uh, with a single ruby brome cast for light. So she's in like red light. She's drawing over and over the things that she saw in the alley, trying to get them out of her head. And so she's got like the guy turning into fire. She's got that moment where like it's he's still shaped like a, a man, but he's fire. And Yasna is like got her hand out and she's apparently drawn like dozens of these things. Uh, the, the guy turning into fire. The other guy has a crystal. 
one of the guys turning into smoke, she didn't actually see until like just like his clothes had already fallen to the ground and he was gone. And she feels bad that she couldn't record his death and then feel stupid for feeling bad about that. But, you know, and we find out a little bit. She's she's been as ordered studying the different philosophies that they have on Roshar. And we find out some uh, a little bit about that. We've got the the philosophy of starkness it says kill or be killed. So that says that what Jasna what what Yasna did is fine. She killed. She did not be killed. Uh, the philosophy of purpose says actions are not evil. Intent is evil. And Yasna's intent was to stop them from hurting people. So that philosophy says she's good. <laughs> uh, the philosophy of ideals says that removing evil is ultimately moral. And so that one also says Yasna is good. And then you have the uh, the philosophy where the ends justify the means called the philosophy of aspiration. And that one also says Yasna, what Yasna did was right. So she's dealing with a lot of uh, her studies saying that actually – Yasna was right, but in addition to that, that Shalon was wrong in what she did, because as she uses all of these philosophies to examine her theft of the Soulcaster from this woman who trusted her, she finds that they all say that she's evil or bad. I don't know if good or evil is exactly, but I don't know. Do you guys have any opinions on these various philosophies? Having only heard them from her perspective yeah. and not actually having read them ourselves, because while these philosophies may be similar to Earth philosophies, they're probably not identical. I would say that uh, you could look at it from different perspectives. As we've said, you know, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil. You could look at it from different perspectives and make arguments on both sides of why what she did was right or wrong. Shallan does not appear to be doing that. And so I would argue that her reasoning is not complete. But that's also up to a, a person's interpretation of what is good, what is evil. There's there's so many caveats that are not being explored in this aspect sure. that I would say that while her reasoning is not unnatural, I guess, it's not or it's not unthinkable for her to think this way, it also is a little bit flawed. That's my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, so she's making these decisions on these prophecies and seeing the worst because she is conflicted. She feels like she has done the wrong thing anyway. So it's easier to to go towards the side of, well, I am bad. I am evil. I didn't do this. Like, it just depends on which moment you're looking at that. I thought it was good when she specified that in the moment she stole it because she was angry, not because her family needed her. But yeah, she's not getting, she's not getting a full picture here. She's not the objective outsider. If, if someone else was to use the same philosophies to look at her actions and why she did what she did, I wonder if they would come up with the same thing. Yeah, y'all y'all make a good point there that it's it may be a lot of her own guilt feeding into how she's interpreting them and not not strictly about the philosophies themselves. That's a good point. What I find kind of interesting is that she says that there's the, the one philosophy, the philosophy of aspiration, the ends justify the means one. She's like, that one actually kind of makes me OK because I'm doing this to in the end save my family. But also that's the one that I really hate because I think it's terrible. So like. <laughs> She's not feeling great about herself in these studies. She's had a trying day, a few days. Yeah. And then uh, as she's distracted thinking about all this, she realizes that she's drawing not one of those alleyway scenes, but a lavish room with a thick ornamented rug, swords on the walls, a long dining table, and a dead man in fine clothing lying face first on the floor, blood pooling around him. So, yeah, all right. That's a thing. She's like, what is wrong with me and my drawings? I got to go. Yeah, I know we talked about this 
or we we touched on it you know what this drawing could mean maybe i'm wrong but like for some reason in my brain i associated her drawing this as like when her father died that's how they found him dead but could be did he die suddenly or did or i don't think we know we just know that he's dead right and that she seemed to associate it with like like the the scene of non-blot being injured and blood and some Mm. other stuff uh but we don't know much yeah, my other thought was, if it wasn't that, was that it could be because I I think I pre- predicted that uh, the king, Tarvadian or whatever, Tarvangian? Taravangian, yeah. Taravangian, that she, earlier she drew that weird picture because she saw like these weird creatures behind, behind him. And I theorized that maybe those creatures are like, they come to you before you die and like record stuff about you, which is what like we, which is what we saw in like, the epigraphs at the yeah, in part the one. first part yeah and so maybe that is his death tervangian's death that she's again like having a premonition of oh she's drawing the future yeah well I mean, maybe isaac the from heroes over here he might be actually dead in this moment she's just seeing oh. it somehow we don't know but sometimes i whittles the future sometimes i whittles the future <laughs> I love that. And it's like Wiggum getting attacked by a bear, and then later in the background, Wiggum's getting attacked by a bear. It's perfect. Yeah. Whittles what I, what's what I sees. <laughs> I, I, what does he say? I I don't see or uh, I don't remember so well because of that there. What is oh, it? Like, in, is it just incompetence? It. I don't remember what he says. Hold on. I don't have such a good memory since I drank my thermometer. Drank my thermometer. <laughs> but I whittles what, what I sees. Yeah. Mercury There's poison. the Pillsbury Dome boy in a bear trap. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, that's the Simpsons moment for uh, knowing us, maybe one of many Simpsons moments, but we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Yeah, that had a guest star. Who played Bart's uh, girlfriend in that? Oh, hold on. What oh, else? Sorry, sorry. Keep going down the, the rabbit hole, but I... Is the Wandering Juvie and guest star as this girl... Sarah Michelle Geller. Huh. There you go. His girlfriend was Buffy. I did not remember that there were that. Uh, I mean, I knew that there was the, the, the girl. I didn't remember that she was somebody. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the, Simpsons, that was still... the, the Simpsons at that point was like everybody was somebody. Yeah. And like that, w- if it was season 15, that would have been like 2004. Four. Yep. So so Buffy was pretty popular then. Buffy's still pretty popular. Let's let's be clear. Well, yeah, but I meant it was on TV with new episodes. Was it still on TV in 2004? I don't even remember when that show aired because I didn't see it until uh, it came 90, out on Netflix. 97, and it had seven seasons, so yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not the movie, the series, to 2003 <laughs> is when it went, is when it stopped. Oh, so it would have been just over. Just then. after that, yeah. Yeah. She, she needed some work, so she went on The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she was invited on. Although, if that episode came out in 2004, they probably... Voiced it in 2003. Did the work on it like six months yeah. earlier. Yeah. So yes, she tries to Shalon back to Shalon. She's trying to get away, and her span read is flashing, and it's her brother who she tried to contact, but he was off uh, attending a party or something. <laughs> yeah. How how he how he does? Oh man, wait a minute. Celebrity casting for Shalon. Shalon. If it was in 2003, could it have been Sarah Michelle Geller? It's a good question. Probably redheaded not. Sarah Michelle Geller. Maybe. Yeah. Nah. Let's just throw Allison Hannigan in there. Might as well. Allison Hannigan drop, has, has drop that more like innocent feel to her than Sarah Michelle Gellar. I guess that's true. Is Shalane innocent though? 
that's the question. I feel like that's the the feel you're supposed to get from her until because in the first couple of chapters <clears throat> you think that she's just trying to help her family and it's like, but I'm gonna steal the thing and you were all like, what? What? Yeah, I'm gonna do a crime. <laughs> I'm gonna crime Doing them. crimes. That's one of my favorite lines from Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> Second one's coming out soon. Dude, you don't gotta tell me. I'm so psyched. Oh my gosh, I tried to take vacation, but now like it doesn't look like I'm gonna be able to take that vacation. So. It's a bummer. I, I took I took too many vacation days for these two cruises, so there's no way right. that I could do that. I haven't even pre-ordered the game yet. I need to do that. Yeah, I got the big big version with the giant Sephiroth statue, so I'm, oh, that's I'm way price, that's way out of my price range. Yeah, I mean, I just did that. You know, you spend money on what you love, right? Like, yep. you know, you you spend a bunch of money on the Sander the year of Sander Lanch. I spent probably around the same amount of money on, or maybe a little less on the Sephiroth statue version. <laughs> Uh, so she her she tells her brother, I did it. I got the thing. Then she, she says, I have the item as if she's worried that this is going to be overheard or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Are you on your way back? How, how are you using a span read on the ocean? And she's like, no, I haven't left. Wait, what? Why not? And she's like, no, look, see, it would be too suspicious if I left. Like and then she discovered the thing was broken. Like she would instantly know I got to wait till she discovers it. And then I can try to like redirect her suspicions in other directions. She's already suspicious of the Ardentia. And he's like, okay, but yeah, what if that doesn't happen? What if she just immediately assumes it's you and like searches you and finds it? And she's like, well, that's still better than if I ran away and she had to come after us. Like I, I, I know this woman now. She's not going to let this go. If she thinks that I robbed her, she will hunt me down and she will exact retribution. It's it, if, if she, just, if she figures out that, I did it. It's better for me to be here. And she'll just she'll take it and probably cast me out. What is she? Mm-hmm. She's, she's banished me from her sight is what she. Yeah. Is. Very or cool. turn you into like a crystal or smoke or fire, yeah. you know, and she says, if we make her work and chase after me, uh, she can be ruthless. It would not go well for us. She, she's going to turn us all into smoke. Smoke them if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. And so like she's like, look, I need a few weeks to see what happens and then I'll come up with a good reason and head home. And her brother's like, you know what? That's really smart. You've thought all you've thought through this way better than I have. When did you get so good at logic? Small one. Probably at the same time you started pulling the legs off small animals. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will never let that go. The men who gave father his fabrial visited again. They asked after you. I'm worried about them. They disturbed me in a profound way. Well, <laughs> bye. Fact. Fat Tony's back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, or even better, robot. Uh, robot. Donbot. Yeah, Donbot. <laughs> the Donbot. <laughs> if uh, we don't get this Fabriel, I'm gonna clamp you. Uh, hey, boss. Didn't you say that Clance is back on that other planet? Maybe the robot mafia and Fat Tony are all involved on different planets. They're part of the same organization. Oh shit! Now it's I all... am suspicious. <laughs> His leg's been sawn off. Uh, but yes, yeah, so um, I, I do like the thought that like she finds a maid in her room. It's like, wait, I don't know this maid. Did Yasna send someone to search my room? Did, did she already do that? Did she like find it and switch out the one that I took with the one that I left when I wasn't paying attention? And now I've got the fake one again or the broken one again. And then she's like, OK, look, you're being dumb. Yasna's subtle, but she's not that subtle, which is hilarious because somebody had a theory last time that Yasna's even more subtle than that. That Like she engineered the whole thing from the beginning. Oh, I'm still I'm still not convinced that ain't the case. <laughs> I'm going to follow that volcano to the core. <laughs> so, if, you, if you were that subtle, you wouldn't no one would know you're that subtle, right? That's true. Subtlety. Mm. 
if you do <laughs> things right, no one will be sure you've done anything at all. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, it was going great until everyone died. <laughs> she thinks maybe I should put the 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 soulcaster in my safe pouch instead of leaving it in my secret trunk compartment. To, basically, a woman's safe pouch is so private that to search one would be the equivalent of strip searching, which, considering her rank, would be virtually unthinkable unless she were obviously implicated. Although Yasna could probably force it. Then again, if she did that, that she could also search the trunk. So. And at this point, if it makes her feel better and act less guilty, just do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't need to like do a Zoidberg and have a note that says, Cab Sal confesses from the desk of Shalan. <laughs> It was me. It was it was me, Capsol. Bye forever from the death of Shalon. <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that says "I want Fabrials." Uh, and so, <laughs> um, she uh, as she's leaving, she does get a note from Capsol with some bread and some jam. This is blue bar jam. If you like it, it means you're mysterious, reserved, and thoughtful. And so she goes out and uh, eats some bread and jam and starts drawing nature. She draws shale bark and snails and kremlings, which I think we actually saw these drawings not long ago. Uh, which chapter was it? It was before chapter. It was before chapter 37 in my version, where we have drawings of shale bark and a shale snail and some kremlings. So, we saw oh it, yeah, we should draw it. I missed that. I missed that before, but yep, I found it. And drawing things relaxes her a little bit, so that's nice. She's uh, feeling less crazy, although not completely happy and she decides you know what i haven't been able to find any information on how to use the soul caster let's just give it a shot let's try and see what happens what could possibly go wrong with that and so she puts it on and she's uh she finds a piece of shale bark and she just in her head is like become smoke become crystal fire burn your fire you jeez oh, it's not working go web go yeah well up up and away web and so she's just out here with this soulcaster on, like, pointing at things, which is probably not something to do in public, let's be quite honest here, but she's got to figure it out. Like, the one guy they knew who knew how to use one is now dead. So, it's like, Nan Balad had asked Luesh, and he was just like, eh, it's, it's much easier for me to show you than explain. So, once you get one, I'll, I'll show you. But he's dead now, so. You asshole! And wouldn't it be just the height of irony if, after all this work, she got back and they couldn't figure out how to use it? And these, we find out Soulcasters, these are not something that, like, uh, Fabrials that are created these days. Like, we've seen some Fabrials. We we saw a heating Fabrial. We saw the Fabrial that that merchant had that detects when somebody is coming close. Those are modern Fabrials built by Artifabrians. Soulcasters are ancient Fabrials. They don't work like modern ones. They don't really, I think, even know how to make more. How would she figure out the method of using a tool thousands of years old, one forbidden to any but the Ardents? That's a good question. And so she thinks maybe she can, like, look through some books or ask Cabsol. He's an ardent. But how do you ask, like, hey, by the way, I mean, not not that I have one, but how if I had one, how would I use a, a Soulcaster? Hey, just say it's for a scholarly understanding. Yeah, the thing that you're forbidden or the ardents are forbidden from telling anyone, just just tell me. We're cool, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you sent me jam. You, you want, you know, you want to hang out with me. Because you like me, like, you know, you just tell me, right? Just frame it as a, my God, I saw her turn a turn a dude to smoke. How hypothetically would I do that? <laughs> she, she even has some other thoughts. Like, maybe if we can't figure out how to fix it, we can take it and give it to our king, and he'll protect us, like, in exchange for this valuable gift. 
which hey that's a plan b i guess but then she's like oh that would make me feel even worse if uh i didn't just steal the soul caster to save my family i then give it to the ardents the people who yasna disdains that's that's an even greater betrayal somehow and then she ends the chapter with like that's a good thing yasna's determined to train me in how to deal with difficult decisions because i got a bunch of those and then we have chapter 40 eyes of red and blue and the epigraph says death upon the lips sound upon the air char upon the skin from the last desolation which i guess is a poem or it, it says line 335 which sounds like an epic poem to me but i guess it could be a book that you don't use pages you go by lines i don't know well like a shakespearean play mm, yeah fair point it could be a play yeah. I, I i read things at work sometimes that have like line numbers on them as opposed to like spreadsheets <laughs> No, definitely not spreadsheets. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, this is from an ancient spreadsheet. You just, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, uh-huh. it's called uh, Rochard Books Pro. Yeah. So in this chapter, Kaladin wakes up, and I think we find out it's been like 10 days that he's been down, and he's uh, doing okay. Shockingly, he's doing okay. He's like, I-, I really should be dead. What is going on? And they're out here practicing with the bridge, and Moash notices Kaladin and freezes and nearly causes everyone to fall down. And then they all see Kaladin, and they're like, what? And Kaladin's like, yeah, you guys should practice what to do if one of you trips or stumbles. You all just about fell over when Moash stopped abruptly. I feel like they should be used to this. Like, they get shot and die while running these bridges. They should know what to do when somebody stumbles. And everyone comes in. There's a big group hug. People thumping him on the back. And he's just like, I don't think that's appropriate for a sick guy, but what, especially when Rock does it. But what are you going to do? Please, please. My burns have only just healed. Uh, the bones. I always forget about the bones. <laughs> and so he's trying to f- figure out what in his, in his experience was a delusion and what is a memory. There was death spread. There was also a giant face. Was that the storm father himself? Surely not. And so he he thinks like my ribs have healed. That that would take weeks. I must have been down for at least three weeks. And Moash says ten days. And Cal's like, what? That's impossible. Uh, we lost two people on the two bridge runs while he was unconscious. Idolier and Treff, who, which are names I don't know that we've ever heard before. So bye, you two guys we didn't know. Yeah, random guys who were friends, but we'd never met. Mm. And then the horn goes off. It's time for a bridge run. And they're out calling Ka- Kaladin Captain Kaladin because they tried to make Rock bridge leader while Kaladin was down and the men refused. And so they just called him squad leader and Kaladin is captain and Gaz isn't happy about that. But what are you going to do? Gaz is never happy, let's be honest. It's so true. I guess he, he seemed kind of happy when he thought Kaladin was going to die. Even that wasn't happy. That was yeah. more just like a, oh, thank God. Mm. Yeah, one problem solved. And so they're going to go on a bridge run. Kaladin's going to join Lopin and David with the water skin thing so that he's not involved in the running the bridge because he's still not strong enough, according to Rock. They don't lose any people on this bridge run. They they got there the same time as the Parshendi and didn't have to face down the archers. And Kaladin takes this moment to finally look at the battle as a whole and try to figure out, like, how all of this works. Uh, we've got Sigzel here, which I think we've run into Sigzel a couple times, but uh, he, he was, is. He was one of the grumpy ones, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He is a uh, he has a very dark colored skin, not true black like a Parshman's, but he is Azish. And they get into a discussion. Kaladin's like, why? Why did why did why are they fighting? Why did the Parshendi fight? I know why we're fighting. Why do they fight? And I'm like Rock's like, well, probably because they don't want to be beheaded for killing your kings. So how very unaccommodating of them. He's like, yeah, but why do they fight for the gem hearts? It's got it's cost them so many men. Like, why do they keep fighting? 
And Sigzel says, oh, I can tell you. They must have soul casters. They need gemstones for the same reason we do, to make food. Because they're the whole point is that they're being besieged out here in the middle of this plane, which doesn't seem good for growing much of anything. So they need food, too. And then they have a discussion about why can't Bridgman use shields? And Rock believes the the company line that that would make them too slow. And Sigzel's like, no, no. You could send Bridgman with shields out in front, running in front of everybody else. Nobody would be slowed down. You'd need extra Bridgman. But we lose so many that, like, in the long run, you would save Bridgman. Like, you, you wouldn't lose nearly as, as many people, even with the extras. Kaladin, after hearing what Lamoral said about Bridgman are supposed to die, he gets it. We are bait. They want us out there so that the Parshendi shoot us instead of a soldier, because the soldiers cost a lot of money to train and outfit. We don't cost much. It's like seeing a bridge fall must give the Parshendi a great sense of satisfaction. And they usually drop two or three. There's no way for them to know that uh, we they don't care about us at all. Thaddeus is Zap Brannigan sending wave after wave of his own men. Exactly. Like pretty much literally. Yeah. And so this is a depressing realization for everyone, but nothing they can do about it. It doesn't really change anything for them to understand. Rock is making food. Everybody's happy because nobody died today. Kaladin is the only one who's unhappy because he now really understands just how futile all of this is. Why Sadius refused to acknowledge Kaladin's survival? Because he was already a bridgeman, and that was a death sentence in and of itself. He had these ideas about proving them, how that they could make things more efficient, they could be more useful to show that they deserved shields and armor. But no, that wasn't going to work, because a bridgeman who survived was, by definition, a bridgeman who'd failed. It's, just, it's, it's all very depressing. And then we have uh, a moment where Maps stands up. It's an interesting name for bridgeman. And they've gotten a present for Rock because Rock is always complaining that he doesn't get he can't shave. They bought him a razor and a little piece of metal to use as a mirror. And Rock is so overcome with emotion that he's just like, it's beautiful. The stew's ready. And then he runs off. <laughs> and Kaladin has a bit of a talk with Sigzel. And Sigzel is uh, reveals that, yes, he is educated among my people. It's not a sin for a male to be keen of mind. Sigzel says, my education was never completed. And Colin says, yeah, neither was mine. I apprenticed as a surgeon. And there's a whole discussion about, like, yeah, the men think you're secretly a light eyes. And he's, what do you mean? My eyes are dark brown. And Sigzel's like, Sigzel's like you, don't, you don't have the right word in your language. To you, a light eyes means a leader. In other kingdoms, there's other things that make you a man. Of, so basically, I think the word that he's looking for is, like, noble or something like that, like a nobleman. Or the equivalent of that, uh, but they don't have a word for that in Lethe. In Lethe, it's just light eyes. If you're light eyes, then you're part of the upper class. If you're dark eyes, you're lower class. Sigzel hints that, uh, or not hints, he pretty much says that he's here because he tried to kill somebody. He did not succeed. He calls himself a murderer, but says that he didn't actually succeed in killing the guy he tried to kill. Whoever, he, he says, my master, and then he trails off. And he's like, oh, did you try to kill your master? No. And that's that's all we get of that. <laughs> Sums up with this dude, too. Is that really the end of that story? Okay. <laughs> good good story, bro. Frust, frustratingly vague. And Sigzel's like, you know what? You're right about the Bridgman. It, we're sent here to die. It's the only reasonable explanation. And then he tells a story about a place called Marabethia, a place where they have a great fondness for debates. At each intersection in the city, they have small pedestals on which a man can stand and proclaim his arguments. It's like uh, it's like that meme of the guy who's sitting at the table with the sign that's like, I think blah, 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 changed my mind. Yeah. I was thinking more, it's like, is it? Life of Brian, where, like, the more you got the street, there's just another preacher yelling something. There's, like, a whole line of them. I didn't see Life of Brian. I will take your word for this. Oh, man, you got to see Life of Brian. I'd say it's probably the best of the Monty Python movies. 
it is on my list to eventually get to. I think we've discussed it on here before, and you guys can like me that I should yet. watch it at some point, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. But uh, I like also it's said that everyone there carries around a pouch with overripe fruit in case they pass a proclaimer with whom they disagree. That's nice. But yes. That would frustrate me having to carry that around as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it probably stinks or something after a while, right? Like, how often do you have to refresh your pouch? How do you have to refresh your slightly rotting fruit so that? Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, I'm kind of intrigued by the notion of I don't like what you're saying and throwing, you know. Smart. <laughs> like, yeah. There's something sort of liberating about that notion. It's I true. Mean, that would make work meetings more entertaining. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I like it. As long as you're not the one leading the meeting and getting fruit thrown at you, it's all good. Yeah, therein lies the problem, right? If if <laughs> if you're willing to give that, you've got to be willing to take that, and I don't know that I'm willing to take that. Yep. So. Yep. Agreed. Um, but he says that the reason he brought up Maribithia is because when they condemn criminals, they uh, they give them a choice: either we can execute you, or we'll hang you off the side of a cliff where uh, these giant they're like chasm fiends, not quite as big as chasm fiends, but still big, great shells is what they call them. And so they dangle you over the side of the cliff and they cut a slice on each of your cheeks and they leave you there for the uh, the great shells to come and eat. But they say, if you don't, if you hang there for a week and don't get eaten, then you go free. And Colin's like, oh, so does that happen often? And Sigil says, no, never. But no. prisoners almost always take the chance. <laughs> I think I'm going to ask for execution, quite honestly, instead of, like, eaten by crab. Even hanging upside down for a week. I don't know that you're going to survive that. Just period. Just imagine it's like you're hanging upside down. You're waiting for this crab monster to come out and kill you. And then people just start lobbing rotten fruit at you as well. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) you might be happy. You're going to need some food and or water at that point. And uh, you might take what you can get. (laughs) Does it say that they're upside down, too? It says that they cut their cheeks and the blood, like, drips into their eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I'm pretty sure you'd be dead from hanging upside down in, like, a day. Yeah. Unless the vascular system of Rosharians works differently than humans. Yeah. They have, a, they have a saying for someone that refuses to see the truth of a situation. You have eyes of red and blue, red for the blood dripping, blue for the water. It's said that these are the two things all prisoners see. Usually they're attacked within a day. So I'm a little bit ashamed to point out that it took this far into the chapter for me to realize, oh, eyes of red and blue was not a reference to autonomy's people and it's like wait no that was red and gold dumbass yep. they were the men of red and gold him yep i spent this whole chapter going oh my god is this gonna be an autonomy reference and then realized wait i had the wrong color disregard <laughs> and so sigzel like he says you know what you're okay at first i hated you for lying to these men but i've come to see that the false hope makes them happy it's like giving medicine to a sick man to ease his pain until he dies now these men can spend their last days in laughter you are a healer indeed, Kaladin Stormblessed. How the fuck? Okay, well, no, I, I get how the name has followed him, but it's like, what a coincidence that his name from the army when um, at the start of the book has followed him here when nothing else has. Right? That seems like too much of a coincidence. Something, something else is at work here. It does seem, yes, like there's something else happening that, although I feel like, if anything, he deserves it more now, given that he was out in the storm and survived it. Yeah, it's like yeah. It, it makes sense. But it's like, is this just is that is it a common name that people get? Like, how did he get it to start with? Like, this just really stuck in my craw a bit. Like, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. I need yeah, more information. Not only that, but like, Kaladin doesn't 
like say anything. He's like, how do you know that in yeah. title? Like and he commented when somebody called him Lordling that like, wait, how how they but this he's just like, oh, no, I get it. It's, it's my thing. Yeah. Rock comes back out so happy, although he to Kalan's surprise, he didn't shave off everything. He shaved off like around his lips, like so a mustache and just under the lips and then like a straight line down his chin in the middle and just left his two like giant mutton chops. But he is thrilled. He says a peak dweller's. Humaka Aban is his pride. I feel like a true man again. And then he offers to share it with anybody else who wants to shave. And we end the chapter with Kaladin thinking, oh, Stormfather, I'm falling back to the wretch I was. I'm losing my grip on this, on myself. He couldn't carry the hopes of all the bridgemen. He just wasn't strong enough. Before so, we move on, I'm going to also point out, it's like he accepted the bowl of stew Dunny brought him, but didn't eat it. I, too, would not eat any stew <laughs> from the Dunny. Fair enough. There is there is a whole episode of Bluey called Dunny. Yep. If you if you want to ever hear about what the Aussies are talking about with Dunny, that's it. Yep. It's not a word the Queen would say. <laughs> <laughs> but would the King say Dunny? Is the question now. I think good. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet he'd give it a go. Uh, be like, uh, oh, you you look. I'm gonna make him sound really Cockney and ignorant. <laughs> you look cool in a Dunny, eh? All right. You're so cool, you dunny. Hey, uh, by the way, can I use the dunny? Where's it at? Didn't realize Ron was king. Yeah, Ron is king now. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can say. Yeah, you know? <laughs> hey, Weasley. Yeah, Weasley's, Weasley is our king. What can I tell you? Hey. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite SNL sketches is when Fred Armisen used to play the queen, and then Bill Hader would play would play the queen consort, and they would both talk like super you know, like super bad, like Cockney accents uh, playing the Royals is, is good fun. Look it up yeah. if you've never seen it. It's like, uh, it's uh, like uh, Prince Philip's just like, uh, not very nice, is it? But it gets the job done, don't it? <laughs> Stuff like that. It's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, before the next chapter, we get a, a drawing of an axe hound. We, we met one of them earlier. And I told you guys at the time that we would eventually see a drawing of one. I, I find it deeply disturbing. I, I find it kind of cute in a horrific sort of way. <laughs> in a horrific sort of way. Just the close-up of the mouth open with, like, the little mm-hmm. mandibles. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty horrifying. It's like it's just a, the, the, the picture below that of just, like, the whole body. And it's like, oh, it looks fine up until you see the close-up on the face. See, the, the, this, is, this is what passes for a pet in this world. Uh, this crab dog. Kind of a crayfish tail. I mean, I would 100% have one of these as a pet. I would call him Clicky. <laughs> Clicky. You would call him Zoidberg, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, touche. <laughs> yeah. One fine day with a clack and a wolf, a baby was born and a cousin. No, no, no. I don't, crab I, dog. I hate crab it. Dog. Crab dog. Crab dog would have been a better show. A little crab dog. Our last chapter is the flashback to five and a half years ago. <laughs> you sound so beleaguered. <laughs> No, I'm just thinking about Cat Dog now, and I don't like it. Um, uh, cat Dog, yeah. In all fairness, Cat Dog was a messed up show. It was bizarre. This chapter is called "Of Alds and Milp," mm. which is a weird I, uh, name that doesn't make sense till the end. Uh, yeah, and it's like to me, it's like Brandon was having fun with this chapter title. He's like, "This is going to be my Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead moment." It's like these guys that are side characters died, and that's the chapter of the title of the chapter. Mm, it's true. I didn't. That's an interesting uh, comparison to draw. So we start with Laurel screaming <laughs> uh, as Kaladin pushes his way into the surgery room. 
We have Bright Lord Relier, Roshone's son, is on one of the tables, and Roshone himself is on another table. And Relier has an evil-looking tusk-like thing jutting from his abdomen. And his dad has uh, similar bony spears shoved into uh, his leg. And Laurel's at the door just screaming, do something, work harder. He can't. He was where it happened. And I don't care. And let me go. And so Liren, uh, Kaladin has showed up to help Liren, who is working furiously trying to save these people. There's some details on, like, the kid's eyeball and stuff that we're not going to get into because it's gross. But uh, just these two are injured quite badly is the upshot. And Kaladin's like, what is that? And his father says, a white spine tusk. Yeah. So basically, these guys went uh, hog hunting, you know, as, yeah. as people tend to do in our in our great state. And uh, they got messed up, which that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I knew a guy who like he was hunting a wild hog and uh, it charged him and gored him in such a way that it tore the tendon in his leg. So like his whole lower body just like went out from under him. And so he had to uh, he had to have surgery to replace that. And uh, the surgeons. Wow did not stabilize his mouth well so while he was in surgery he bit down so hard he cracked or he chipped his teeth oh so, yeah. yeah so the upside was he, he uh yeah the upside was he got his uh he got his medical bills paid for so he didn't have to pay for anything because of the oh. teeth thing i guess that's good <laughs> uh, yeah people like to hunt dangerous stuff i mean the, we we started out the part two or whatever with the king hunting a, a chasm fiend so compared to that this isn't so bad i mean we don't actually know what a white spine is but if you can hunt it without a shard blade and shard plate then it's already not so bad it compares comparatively just tell these guys yeah and so uh liren like after he's he's working on relier and then eventually he just walks over and starts working on rashon instead and rashon's like what are you doing what about my son and liren says your son is dead He's like, no, he's not dead. I can see him moving. Tend to him. And he tells Kaladin to get the day's water, which that's a fun name for an, uh, something that knocks you out. And Laren has to explain to this guy as he's treating him that he has three rules for triage, essentially, when, when trying to decide between two patients. If their wounds are equal, you treat the youngest first. If the wounds are unequal, you treat the most gravely wounded first. And he returns like, yes, exactly. You should be looking at my son. It's like, no, the third rule overrides... Both of the others, you have to know when someone's beyond your ability to help. I'm sorry, I'd save him if I could, but I can't. And Rashon is trying to, like, he's horribly injured, but he's trying to get up out of the bed to do something to save his son. And they uh, they put these bandages soaked in day's water over his mouth to knock him out. And then he says to also give some to Relier. It's the only mercy we can give him. Relier, another of those names that's exactly symmetrical. Random thing I noticed just now. And I like Lyrin's just like, idiots, isn't sending half of us off to war enough for them? They have to seek death even when living in a quiet town. And Callan's like, Dad, he's not going to be happy when he wakes up. And there is a moment as he's cutting, as Lyrin is cutting tusk free, that says he, he, the knife is right next to the femoral artery. And Callan thinks like just one little flick and he would bleed out and no one would ever know that uh, like, you know, that Lyrin didn't do everything he could to save him. And Liren kind of hesitates, and then he looks at Kaladin, and he finishes up and <laughs> saves the guy's life. And we cut to later, where Kaladin's just sitting outside thinking about all this stuff. And Liren comes out, and Kaladin's like, you know, I saw what you did. You would have let him die if I hadn't been there, wouldn't you? 
why didn't you? It would have solved so much. And Liren's like, no, that would have been murder. Murder is bad, which we've previously established is an official stance of this podcast. Murder bad. I don't know if, if, if anyone is second guessing that in this situation. Like, like, do we do we need to underline that? I thought that was pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, murder bad. Huh? You know, food good. Dogs, <laughs> dogs good. Yeah. And you murder said, still bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rashawn though, you know, Kaladin is like, I might have let him die. I'm just saying. And Laren's like, no, I couldn't have not saved him because I'm not a killer. Somebody has to start. Somebody has to do what is right because it is right. If nobody starts, then no one else can follow. They do their best to kill themselves and us. The others still haven't brought back Alds and Milp, two townsmen who'd gone on the hunt with them and had apparently been just as injured as the two Light Eyes. But the Light Eyes didn't give a shit. They left them behind to die. We have to be better than they are. And Kaladin's thinking after Liren leaves, he's like, would I have let him die? Maybe even, you know, flick the knife a little bit, get him there quicker. No, cutting the artery wouldn't have been justified, but what obligation did Kaladin have to help? Withholding his aid was not the same as killing. At that moment, Kaladin knew that he could kill if he needed to. Some people, like a festering finger or leg, shattered beyond repair, just needed to be removed. Which, to draw another parallel back to uh, Wise Man's Fear, which we've done before, is a lesson that someone teaches Kvothe in that book. Some people just need killing. Eh. (laughs) <laughs> Joe's like, ah, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, look, it, him saying withholding is not the same as killing. If you have the ability to easily, not even easily, if you have the ability to, without threat to yourself, help somebody and you choose not to, that's, and it's a life or death situation, you're killing them. That's, that's that may not be everybody's opinion, but, like, if you're weighing threat against ability to help, like... I, I I think that he did have a duty and what he maybe he doesn't understand even now, even though he knows his dad is a surgeon, as I assume they have some kind of code. maybe they don't. Yeah, I was about to say they might they might have some kind of Hippocratic oath. Maybe they don't because Hippocrates does not exist in their world. But still, it's uh, it's like the last episode of Seinfeld or like Batman Begins, where he's just like, yep. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Joe says Ra's al Ghul should have been saved. Uh, I don't say he should have been saved. I think we we could easily say though that is Batman killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like I you know I don't I don't say like Ra's al Ghul shouldn't have died, but at the same time Batman did knowingly be like I'm going to let you die. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul did nothing wrong. No, no, no one's. No, no, al Ghul <laughs> did plenty wrong. <laughs> yeah, no one's no one's making that claim. Uh, I'm making besides, that claim for you. Which he as Shalon says is basically the same thing. He has the Lazarus pit. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> not that his daughter in the third movie did not feel that way. Okay, sorry. That's our chapters this time. Uh, so predicaments. What do you guys? Uh, we've we've gotten some more information. And as as Jamie said, uh, Liren has super pissed off the city lord now. Super special pissed off or whatever it was. So. You can predict, uh, you know, make some predictions about what's going to happen back in Young Man Kaladin days. Or where are we going from here? Kaladin doesn't see a way out at this point. So what does he do from here? I'm going to go somewhere else for my prediction. Even though we didn't really see much of her this time around, I think we've wondered a lot about what's up with Syl. I actually think she might be... In this, in the same way that preservation was just the mists on the planet, I wonder if Syl might just be like a shard with amnesia or something, oh. like an aspect of shard power. She held like 
I'm 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 fairly certain that you know she is responsible for Kaladin's good luck and the Dun Spheres. It's something to do with his, with her influence on him. She said she's been watching him for a long time, longer than he's been aware of it. So it wasn't just in the slave cart when he first saw her that she first saw him. But she held back the storm, and like in and in Kaladin's vision in this chapter, she held back death from him. So yeah, I think she, I I think she might not just be a little lost windspread. Like, I think she's all just like, oh, what's happening to me? Why am I changing? Why am I growing? And it's like, because you were never a windspread to begin with. I think you actually might be the shard. Ooh. I don't know which. I don't think she's the malicious. I don't think she's like, I don't think she's Odium. Maybe this is a shard that's in direct conflict with him. That maybe Odium thought he killed and turns out not. Nah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, there's still got to be like a person, a bearer of the shard power. And maybe that person's in a coma or something. And Syl is just like so the subconscious part of their power flitting around. I don't know. Mm. But just like that image in Kaladin's vision of like the little figure holding back death or whatever it was, like that made me think, all right, well that's Syl and she's like, she's way more powerful than we thought. So yeah, this is a cool possibility. Okay. I'm on board. Let's uh, let's, I, I like this idea that's like someone's in a coma somewhere and this is like the they've got all this power so this is like the projection of the power and they've forgotten <laughs> yeah that that could be super cool actually well yeah so I mean we still dog, a dogma situation God's in a coma yeah yeah I mean you know we we really we don't really know what happens to someone's body when they become a shard because you know we saw ruin and we, we saw Atti and Leras die and their body just kind of popped out of thin air and fell on the ground mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, you know, preservation was barely conscious while he was the mist. I mean, he was just conscious enough to talk to people as they die. So who knows? Like, it could be a similar thing. Like, Syl is like so cut off from her power that like this is like this is all the conscious thought she's able to summon is one little apparent windspring. Hmm. I don't know. And just you know, the the whole like she's so against people lying. I'm like, you're very fixated on that. That could be an aspect of shard power, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Or it could even be an aspect of we, we still don't know what particular shard. shard exactly. Like it could be that could be the sort of thing that it is. It's like this is the shard of honesty. So obviously she hates you know maybe, lies. Maybe maybe not so much that we know that like Brandon likes to use like some very flowery sort of words for the shard names. Maybe integrity. Let's go mm, integrity. Yeah, more like that. Yeah. Truth in action as well as deed. I mean truth in action as well as thought. That's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The thing that I said, that's what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got this week. But yeah, that's where my mind went to turning. That is, I, I do like that that came out in a, in a chapter or in a section where, like you said, we didn't see too much still. We saw a little bit of her and it was a kind of dramatic moment of her, like, fending off these death spren. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like this idea. Cool. So I, I feel like I've kind of sprinkled some stuff throughout. So let's kind of go back to the beginning here. So we've got. We've got Kaladin surviving. Yeah, I like what Dax said about her holding back the storm and then, you know, very, very possibly holding back death. And so we've we've got obviously something going on with Syl, something going on with Kaladin as well. So really, I guess my biggest thing is if if Syl is a shard and has amnesia or is a projection of a shard's power, like where where do where do they converge where does she converge with kaladin is it like it was just crazy random happenstance or what is inside kaladin that calls out to called out to her originally because it sounds like she'd been following him for a long long time so like why why was she following him is it is she reacting to kaladin's power 
or is he reacting to her power or are they both reacting to each other's power and like where does that where does that kind of stem from so i'm going to predict a little bit differently i like Dax's prediction predicament but him him talking about all that made me think i think sill is actually a her maybe not maybe not her original essence but her her consciousness and stuff is a is a projection of of Kaladin's power. I think he's the one who's causing her to actually become somewhat human-like in emotions, consciousness, understanding truth, honesty, those kinds of things. I don't. I I think Jamie had predicted this before, and I agree. I don't think she's actually a Windspread. I think she's some she's something else. Maybe another kind of Spren that we don't know about. But like, I don't think she's a Windspread. And so. We've got that piece there. I think that's as much as I can say about about Syl this this go around. And then Sh- Shalan moving on to to that next section. I I just have to keep considering that that uh, that Shalan's eventually going to open up to to Yasna about what's going on. And I really do. I, the more we read, the more I'm starting to believe that both Fabrials actually work, and that they're either that or Yasna knows a way to fix the fabrial very easily so like she might think oh my fabrial busted i'll just fix it you know like i think i think what's going to end up happening is that yes is going to teach shalan how to use the fabrial um mm. and so at some point it's going to come out that there are two of them whether yasna realizes that shalan has hers or not hers or her original one or not like it's going to come out that there are two of them and then shalan's going to start learning how to use the Fabriel itself from Yasna specifically. So that's what I'm going to predict on that. And then going forward, I think, I think, like I said at the beginning, like some Teft, when he confronts Kaladin about like these powers or whatever, like he's, he's going, I think this is going to be the boost that Kaladin needs to kind of get over this like hopelessness feeling that he's having right now. It's like once Teft, confronts him about it and been like hey look this is what this is what happened this is what i saw when i gave you spheres like something about and i would hope that that's going to build some momentum in our story and get things kind of rolling for kaladin because it feels like he's kind of been stuck in this in this you know between literally a rock a guy named rock and uh (laughs) and a hard place on the plateau like i i think things are going to start hopefully start moving pretty soon for kaladin and and Primarily, that will be because of of uh, Teft, you know, telling Kaladin like, "Hey, this is you've got like some magical powers, man." So uh, I think that's uh, that's where we're going. Okay, I I'm now picturing this scene of uh, like Shalon and Yasna are sitting around one day, and Yasna tries to use her soulcaster and doesn't work. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, yeah, this thing got out of alignment," and she like turns something thirty degrees, and it works fine, and Shalon's right. jaw just drops open like. Whoa. All of this time that I've all this stuff that I did for yeah <laughs> that'd be hilarious. I think this dude's yeah. assistant, like the like her dad's assistant or whatever, who said he knew how to use it. I think he was full of crap. <laughs> I, was, I was I was about to say if she fixed that easily, then it's like oh Lewis, you yeah. were just a fucking liar. Yeah, I think he was either intentionally lying or he's just he's just an idiot. Both good options, solid options. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really hoping for this scene now. And uh, and then we got the. Uh, no, no, I just, I, sorry, I almost said something I shouldn't say. Sorry. Whoa, almost spoiled it. Wow, look at you. You know, maybe maybe some of your predictions are just so good and so close that... Uh, Ooh. 
Or maybe they were just so far off that I... I yeah, I you're like, the something. ridiculousness of this. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's not what happens. Wait, what? Yeah. It could be either one. But yes, no. And and like you said, you kind of sprinkled some some ideas as we went along this week. So uh, you had you had a lot of decent, uh, decent thoughts uh, coming and going here. So good stuff. Good stuff. I'm excited for us to get into some of the uh, some of the things that are coming up. So I like where the other guys have gone with their predictions today. The 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 one that I was going to focus on more was from the flashback. Really, I think seeing as Roshan is is our extra special pissed off was my was my <laughs> yeah okay uh, analysis of his current mindset. I reckon that maybe he is going to kill Tien to get back at Liren for letting Rilla die. And then maybe that pisses Liren off extra special also. I don't know what will happen, but I think that will be the event that puts a stop to Kaladin being able to then go and study because he will be filled with this raid. The catalyst event to send Kaladin on, on his path to join the army because his revelation today about he could kill someone if he had to yeah maybe he'll kill their son and go on the run or something don't know i don't think he's going to end well for the characters that are involved there perhaps i don't like him he's not even in these chapters and i don't like him (laughs) all he does is send jam and bread his gift of jam just strike me as really weird and the fact that this type of jam means you're like mysterious and thoughtful and Yada yada. I'm like, what do you know? What do you know that we don't know? I don't I don't like him. I then started thinking about this like outrageous plot that maybe Nan Balat is actually already dead and the wife was a spy and they're all working together to get the Fabriel Soulcaster. I don't know exactly. I haven't really fleshed it out, but that's kind of where my brain went straight away. I know there was the code phrase to be like, yes, it is him. But if the wife was a spy, a trusted spy, just the fact that these guys keep turning up and they're like, I'm really scared of them. Like, what's going on? Just sounds like that's not going to end well either mm. for them. I'll think on that a bit more. Teft and Kaladin, they need to have a little powwow because Teft knows a lot more, not just about what's like, he, he seems to know kind of the mythology, I guess, of what is happening to Kaladin. But then Rock also could see Sill and knows a little bit more about Sill. So I kind of need them to come in on the discussion as well so that they can they can all talk. And I think that's that's the thing for me that looking at Dak's prediction that Sill is at the shard, but Rock can see the shard, which is fine, but the shard, does that have something to do directly with Kaladin or is it kind of a more cultural thing for the Islanders, I guess? He's calling everyone else lowlanders. I don't really know where he sits in this whole thing. But, yeah, that's kind of where my brain's going. Bigger prediction is that Roshan kills Tien, but lots of thoughts on where everyone else is going to fit at the moment. Roshan kills Tien, that would be real dark. And the, the thing is, Kaladin seems to blame himself for what happens to Tien. So if Roshan kills Tien, he mu- Kaladin has to be involved in some way. Or, or maybe he just incorrectly I- blames himself. That could happen. If Kaladin had nicked the artery, Roshan mm. wouldn't be there to do it. Well, but that way, Kaladin didn't get to hold the blade. That's his dad who's allowed to hold knives. Yeah. If Kaladin wasn't there, maybe Liren would have done it, just by oh. being about Liren um, not being a murderer. 
I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot more book. Something yep. else could come out. But I just I can't imagine that Roshone is going to be happy for Lyran and Kaladin to live there in their town anymore. And yeah. I mean, I don't know how if if Roshone does something to Tien, regardless of what it is, like despite the fact that Lyran is like, you know, you have to you have to do what's right. I'm not a murderer. If someone kills your kid, then if you do not have a severe reaction to that, I think that we're into bad parent territory, regardless of your personal uh-huh. feelings. So, yeah, if if that happened, I feel like Liren has to have some major reaction. And it kind I'll of s- cycles back into our um, all of the the things that Shalan was looking at. Of the word mm-hmm. escapes me. Uh, the philosophy stuff, yeah. Philosophies, yeah. You know, are you doing something bad if you're justified for doing it? It's like, are you justified for doing it? Were you under threat? Maybe you are under threat. Hmm. That's that's true. I also like your feelings about Capsule because it's just like this. Maybe he's just a really awkward flirt. Like he doesn't know how to flirt. He's just sending jam. Like maybe this will get me somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Like he wants something. And I don't know that it's necessarily like he wants Shalom, but he wants something. And I mean, he wants to, he wants to, I guess, convert Yasna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he says. Direct approach is not going to work because she's fully aware that that's what's coming. So I just I don't I don't trust him. Anyone who just sends jam to people, I don't I don't trust. What do you want? Why are you sending me jam? <laughs> she's just like I get jam. I love jam. I'm happy. I I don't know if she's maybe, looking into it deeply enough. Maybe it is just a nice thing to do. Maybe he's like, hey, I've made a friend and she likes jam. We'll try all sorts of different jam. Hmm. Maybe, and maybe that's totally fine. But, I mean, I wouldn't just be sending someone jam. Weird. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Yeah. No. I got some jam as a Christmas present. So, you know. That's, yeah, but it was um, Christmas. You didn't just get jam for the sake of someone sending you. It's true. I, I, and, I mean, I got, they're really nice jams. Like, I, I, they're gift worthy. That's fine. I got prickly pear jam made from cactus fruit. It's uh, pretty good. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So yes, some uh, some some interesting thoughts here about uh, yeah we it, we like you you keep saying like we must be close to something in in these flashbacks something's got to be explained soon so it really does seem like things have been ramping up with the last couple like the confrontation with Rashon and now like the death of Rashon's son it, things can only get more extreme from here I feel like you think so so yeah we'll see we are we're, we're I'm not gonna say we're approaching the end of. Part three. Part three is a pretty long part. I think we have four more episodes left of part three, so we'll see what happens before then. <sighs> okay. Using that to transition for next time, actually for the next several episodes, we're going to read two chapters. So that's kind of why part three is still four more episodes, because we're going to be reading two chapters at a time for the next three episodes. So next time we're going to read chapters 42 and 43, which this may actually be the smallest section that we read for an episode in this whole book. But it's because there was no other way to maneuver it because of the size of the various chapters. So anyway, that's for next time. 42, 43 for people following along. Let's do we have a bunch of new emails because it's been a while since we recorded. And uh, but first, we have one new patron. So, Joe, get ready for that first. If I can find where I put my patron screen. There it is. With a uh, this person joined the Patreon on January 15th at the Mistborn level. Ooh, Mistborn. And it is uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan, you are like our buddy Wax. You're a skimmer. Nice. There you go. 
All right. We're gonna we're gonna try to do a bunch of these emails. So I'm gonna I'm gonna we, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We had nine emails. So I'm gonna try to get through some of these here. The first one is from Adam. And it says, Hi Sander Lance crew. I don't know if you ever took a look at the cymatics maps, but I've linked here in case you want to read them in detail. It's nothing too important. Yeah. So I mentioned when we were looking at the maps of those four cities in the illustration that I couldn't really read it well. I did, in fact, go back and find the more high def version later, but uh, Adam sent it in case we had not. Also, glad you added as an afternote that you found Capsol's Devotary. Otherwise, I definitely would have issued a correction. So, uh, yeah, I did. We discussed in that episode, we couldn't figure out what Devotary Capsol was from. And then when I found it after the fact, Dax was like, yeah, yeah, you should go put that in. And so I did add an editor's note there. Awesome. Adam says, as an aside, I did want to mention that I really appreciate the way Brandon writes Yasna. For a religious person, he does a very good job giving the perspective and rationale of an atheist. As an atheist myself, I think her explanation of her views is very well thought out and holds up to scrutiny. I'm glad there's room for atheists and non-believers in Sanderson's work, despite the existence of gods, which should, it should be noted is different from capital G God. Crabs Ahoy, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Interesting email. Did I send you guys that high def? Uh, negative. Of that image? Okay, I'll send you guys that so you can read about it if you like. Yep. The next email Sand is... Maps. Yeah. The next email is from Jacqueline. It says, Kelsier the Lawyer is the title. Jacqueline says, hey, Sandalanche crew, I'm currently listening to one episode 180 where Data makes the astute observation that you become a lawyer when you're dead on the inside. As a lawyer, I can confidently say that he is right. Law school steals your soul better than even a hemallergic spike does. This podcast helps bring some life back into back at the very least. It's been super fun listening to the crew's predictions, volcano theories and hilarious jokes and references. I worked my way through the backlog of episodes over the summer while studying for the bar. The podcast was a great companion for going on walks and trying to maintain my sanity. It continues to treat me to a listen on Monday mornings. On more than one occasion, I've audibly gasped when Jamie or Dak or Joe made an out-of-pocket but entirely accurate prediction. It's been particularly fun to listen to you guys work through the Way of Kings. Against the Internet's advice, but at the urging of my brother, I started the Cosmere with the Way of Kings. I was confused at times, but I loved it, so it's fun hearing the crew get to experience it for the first time, too. Thanks for all the effort you guys put into the podcast. Crabs Ahoy, Jacqueline, P.S., since I'm sending an email anyway, here's my five-star Spotify review. So she sent us a picture of her five-star Spotify review. So now Joe has to go. Despite the Ooh, fact that I told him there were no new right, reviews, yeah. he has to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you not – Do you, do, I got to ask you, do you vet these emails? Do you read them before we come up with <laughs> Yeah, but it was like you know a long time ago with some of these. Uh -huh, and I went on a weeks-long uh -huh, vacation uh -huh, uh -huh, recently. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. So <sighs> No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, hey, guess what? You know what? You're, you seem like a a great person. You could be one of the newer Mistborn powers that we've uh, we've talked about. You're a slider. Slider, a tiny hamburger. There you go, Jacqueline. Hope you enjoy it. I just love that ring endorsement. Law school, worse than a spike through the gut. <laughs> yep, just just kills you dead on the inside. I'm sorry to hear it. That was that was an awesome email. Thank you, Jacqueline. Next one from oh, read that one from Michael, listener and lawyer. Hey, Sander Lange crew, longtime listener, and I am in fact a lawyer. The podcast actually helped me get through a combination of lockdowns and law school. From Davis Poker Face, Poker Voice, since this is an audio medium, I'd hate to have to question him on the stand. The deadpan and sincere sounding comments on the rest of the crew's reactions and predictions is great. The rest of y'all have made some great guesses and predictions, and he gives nothing away, at least when listening to predictions and wishes. So happy you finally reached the Stormlight Archive. It was my introduction to Brandon's work when I randomly grabbed the Way of Kings off a shelf at Barnes & Noble in high school. I don't count the Gathering Storm, as that wasn't entirely Brandon's work. By the time it's done, I can see 
the completed Stormlight rivaling the Wheel of Time in scale and epicness. Uh, and then potential spoiler, and yes, I agree with your potential spoiler. I won't read that, though. Wasing to the time of next, Colo, Michael, and then at the end, nothing contained in this email counts as legal advice. So thank you for the, the compliment to my poker face voice. I think I've mentioned before that when we uh, I, I, we I love playing board games and we have this the uh, the trader games the social deduction games where we have to figure out who the trader is and I'm always voted off first not because <laughs> I feel I act suspiciously I people Just have said no one trusts you yeah it's like people have told me that I act exactly the same way when I'm innocent as when I'm guilty which you would think is exactly what you would want. To not give anything away, but I just get it voted off first, whether I'm innocent or guilty, because they're just like something inherently untrustworthy about me, I guess. So uh, I might not do well in front of a jury. I'm just, I'm just saying I'll, I'll be there as a total as a witness to something that happened, not a suspect at all. And the jury will be like, I don't know. I think that guy did it. it doesn't make any sense. But did you see him? He probably did it. So, yes, thank you. Uh, we have several pretty short emails this time, so I'm going to go. But yes, some th- th- those were our two emails from Michael and Jacqueline, the, the lawyers who were triggered by my statement about lawyers and were like, OK, well, we got to write it now. So I appreciate you guys taking that. Well, uh, it, it, it was just a joke. I, I, I will say here for legal purposes. We've I feel like we've offended quite a few occupations over the course of this show. <laughs> Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, those, those high princes, we've offended the hell out of them. Yeah, but none of them wrote in. That's true. They're too important for that sort of thing. Or, you know, <laughs> I guess most of them just can't read or write. So <laughs> talk about them all I want. What are they going to do? Um, OK, the next one is from Tim. It says, finally caught up. I found your podcast when Data posted it and the Stormlight Reddit decided to listen all the way through till I caught up. Well, I'm now caught up. I posted it after our second episode of Stormlight went up, I think is I will mention that. So uh, somebody caught up pretty quickly. Bloody hell. I even read the White Sand Omnibus with you guys, which was the only Cosmere thing I hadn't read. Excited to see your journey through Stormlight as it's my favorite. Keep it up. Buzzing to the time of next. Colo. So thanks, Tim. I'm glad that you've enjoyed it. Also glad to know that uh, posting on the subreddit uh, about us starting Stormlight got some people interested. I I, I I always feel weird making those, like, I, I post on Reddit occasionally, not even quite once a book, uh, maybe once every other book or so, to be like, hey, if anyone doesn't know about this podcast, here it is. And I always feel like, man, probably, like, Everyone who sees this is just going to be like, well, I already knew about that. Why do you keep posting it, even though you haven't posted this in like six months? Uh, so good to know that some people actually are like, oh, hey, yeah, that was helpful to me. We, we still got some. Yeah. Uh, the next one is from Peter. This is a question for good day to all the Sandra Lynch crew. I have a question for one of you in particular, and that is dot, 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 dot. There's four dots there. That's not how you do an ellipsis. Dot, 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 dot. Jamie, in episode one. You said you mainly read crime and don't have any experience with fantasy. How are you finding your in-depth introduction to the genre? Is it something that you would carry on with outside of the podcast? Go well from Peter. Oh, good question. Um, I was like, oh, no, episode one. I don't remember what I said in episode one, but no, this one I remember. <laughs> yes, I I would. I think it's definitely been eye-opening, and, and I like it. I like, I like the escape. I mean, crime is obviously stuff that probably has, can, will happen continuously, and there's a certain level of horror in that to know that that's a thing people do because people suck sometimes. But, you know, to to immerse yourself in a world that is is not something that could absolutely happen, well, you know, obviously elements of it uh, are inspired from, from real life. Yeah, no, I, I actually really like it, and I, I don't know why I wasted so much time. I haven't managed to get into much more 
uh, really of anything. Shout out to all the parents of toddlers out there. Um, <laughs> right. That <laughs> makes it makes it hard. I know when you get the toddler to bed, the last thing I want to do is go and pick up a book. I'm like, I'm just, I'm tired. I've worked all day. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but no, I definitely see myself reading more in the future. And I mean, the guys have spoken about it a fair bit on the podcast, but Dresden Files, I'm looking at you. I'm going to come for you. Nice. The chance I get, I think, because I think that's a nice hybrid uh, from what Dak informs me. It's a nice hybrid of yeah yeah I've been, to read about so yeah, yeah i've been I've, I've been encouraging that for a bit the books are all here <laughs> it's like so you know they're just right here about a decade if you're saying you should read dresden files <laughs> <laughs> wore her down good job <laughs> yeah uh, but yes having uh having toddlers can cut in on your time for doing anything else so yeah for sure literally anything by yourself ever I used to, I, I tried when they were toddlers to like uh, read some Harry Potter because I'm like, hey, well, I'll enjoy rereading Harry Potter. And they, but uh, there were no pictures, so they weren't super interested in sitting for that most of the time. So it's it's hard to get an adult book in. And the attention span. So our child is loving uh, like more involved books. Um, I don't know if anyone read Franklin as as a kid, but she's really into the Franklin books now and it's like it's enough of a story that she's into the story but it's not enough and like she could pick out the story that she wants to read but it's not enough to like get into an yeah, ongoing story mm. yeah I, I look forward to the day we can start reading a novel because that would be that would be really nice to read at, at bedtime but no instead I will read Franklin is messy three times <laughs> a night yeah i i think i you said franklin i didn't know what that was and then i googled it and i'm like oh it's that turtle kid i've seen him Turtle, yeah yeah they are I they have, are at the moment. i had forgotten about them for like 20 years and then it came back with a sudden vengeance <laughs> but I, I do love reading with the with the little ones so it's it, it, whatever it is i enjoy it it's fun it is good we were able to get into stuff like uh, some of the Dr. Seuss stuff that's actually a story, like the Lorax or the Grinch Stole Christmas or things like that that are a little bit bigger and actually have a story to them but still have pictures and things. So it advances gradually for me. <laughs> so I, I feel you. Glad to know that we've corrupted Jamie and gotten her interest in fantasy. It's, it's good. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Somebody was just chanting that in the Discord, actually. Uh, so... <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay, one more email, and then I'll save some for uh, for the future, since we had so many. This one is a very short one. It is titled Bananas, and it says, Greetings, Sandra Lanchers. What are your opinions on bananas? Thank you very much, from Ruben. All right. <laughs> uh, they are fine. I enjoy <laughs> eating a banana from time to time. Sometimes that's like a complete breakfast for me, because I'm on the go, and I need a banana. But um, I, uh, I I do have trouble finding good bananas where we live, um, especially because I as as a as a youth I traveled to South America for a few months and the bananas were so delicious and so then I came home and I was like wow these bananas are trash, so uh, it is very difficult for for me to find a good banana, but I do enjoy uh, a banana from time to time. No, anybody else? Yeah, bananas they're okay. <laughs> Is this person looking for like sexy sound bites about us like no banana feelings one way or the other? Yeah. <laughs> How is work in the lunchroom, Frankie? It's all right. Poor Frankie. Yeah. I, I, I will say that uh, I love banana Laffy Taffy. It's my favorite flavor of Laffy Taffy. There you go. 
I dislike bananas probably 363 days of the year. Mm. I don't know why. It's just occasionally you go, you know what, I need a banana. And I reckon it'll happen twice a year. And that's it. <laughs> Interesting. I would, okay. I would put a banana in a smoothie or something. Like I, I make things with bananas a lot, but the idea of actually eating the banana. And I think it's a texture thing. Mm. It's just like, it's like Joe saying, it's, it's really hard to get a good banana. And there's such a fine window between it being not ripe enough and then overripe. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard. You could be staring at it and it'll, it'll go from not ripe enough to overripe just while it's, you're looking. Yeah, it's true. It, it, there's a razor's edge there, which my, my, uh, my little ones love bananas. And so we'll buy them and then they'll be like, I don't want a banana today. And like two days later, it's like, oh, these bananas are not good anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you've always got the banana that you're like, oh, in a few days I'll make a banana bread with that, and then you realize it's been a week, and it's like, oh, I can't do anything with that. That's gotta go. <laughs> it's it's no good. But you ever want to make a toddler upset? Give them their banana in the wrong way. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus! Peel it, it, chop it. Don't chop it. Accidentally break it. Yeah. Oh, don't do that. An imperfect banana that will not fly. <laughs> but the trick is they won't tell you how they want the banana delivered to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do they want you to peel it? Do um do or do, do they, they want to peel it themselves? You won't know until after you give it to them. Yeah, that's so funny because I was just watching uh Miss Rachel like YouTube or Instagram video about that today where it's like literally the lady hands her the banana. She's like, I didn't want it peeled. So that's really funny that you guys are talking about that. We just saw that today. <laughs> we lived that. Yeah. There's our child. Hang on. There's our child's uh, input to the podcast. What do you want? Hey, what do you want? I need a banana. <laughs> she loves bananas. <laughs> and now we're talking I about. Need a... yeah. I need a. Yeah. Must have. Jamie there mentioned the... putting them in like a smoothie or something. That's good. Yeah. I'll do like a strawberry banana milkshake every now and then. That's also good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I hope. I hope, Ruben, that you got what you were hoping for out of this banana discussion. Um, if anyone else would like to send us an email, like I say anyone else, if anyone other than Ruben wants to send us an no, no. If anyone wants to yeah, send any, us an email. Anybody wants to send us emails not about fruit, you know. <laughs> I'm willing to answer fruit questions. It's okay. Um, if anyone wants to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and X and Facebook and Patreon where I still haven't, I have not been had time to finish my read of defiant. And I don't think that, I don't know if I'm going to have time to even post the ones the edit, the ones that I've recorded so far with, with my vacations. It's, it's been kind of a crapshoot. So I'm sorry if those have been inconsistent with the episodes popping up on the Patreon, but uh, I can, I can do so much. Speaking of which, so we're going to be around, I think, or I, I'm, we, I say we, I'm going to be around for this record and the next record that we would do. So we will be recording two episodes before I am then gone for two weeks. The problem being that the second episode we record is going to be very close to the date when I leave. And I don't know whether or not I will have time to successfully edit it before I leave. So you will get two weeks of break. I just don't know whether it will be after this episode or after the next episode. So... I'll try to post something on like uh, when I know one way or the other before I leave for Australia, I'll try to make a post on like Twitter or Facebook or something so that everyone else will know. But uh, yeah, right now I'm not sure when that break is going to fall. I'll just let everybody know for the next one, whenever that one is, 
as I said, we're going to read two chapters, 42 and 43, if you are following along. Music by Miracle of Sound. Get that in there. Just sorry that uh, February is going to be a weird, uh, a weird month with unpredictable what haves, you, what haves you, what have yous, whatever. But that's what happens when I try to take all of my vacation at the beginning of the year for whatever insane reason I decided to do that. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, patrons. Thanks, people on the Discord. I had somebody email asking if the Discord was just for patrons or what. The Discord is open to everyone who wants to come and chat on the Discord. You can find a link on our website, which is www.thesanderlanch.com. So join us there, for better or ill. Get involved in the discussions. They can be crazy. Thank you to our patrons and to everyone who's out here listening. We appreciate you. Two chapters for next time. And wasing to the time of next. Colo, P.S. Fasher. Crabs ahoy! <laughs>